for today, North Hills. If you have a copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Psalm 24 this morning. Psalm 24. Before we read God's Word this, this morning, let's pray to our King who is strong and kind. Father, we thank You for this ability to gather and worship this morning. May You strengthen us in the Gospel. And may we live in a manner that glorifies You. Father, we pray that Your Word goes forth and that people go from death to life. For Your glory and for the good of Your people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Psalm 24. Psalm 24. God's Word says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord. And who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates. Lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He, He is the King of glory. This is God's Word. This psalm this morning, Psalm 24, gives praise to God because He has created the world. And only the righteous can come into His presence. And we also see that God is mighty in battle. He is victorious. So the Lord is a warrior, and there is none that can compare to Him. So this psalm is written with the anticipation of coming into the presence of the King. One commentator noted that this psalm was used or, or sung when the Ark of the Covenant returned from war. So the people of God rejoiced because of what God had done to provide for them. The Ark of the Covenant symbolized God's presence with His people. And this psalm, particularly in verses 3-6, through regarding the ascent of Zion, is pointing to the One who is to come. We even notice with the language of ancient doors in this passage, that this is anticipating something greater. Psalm 
24 is recognizing God's presence with His people. With the emphasis of the Lord being with His people in the life to come. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we have three three points. The first is the King creates. The King creates. That's verses 1 and 2. The King creates. Then the King ascends. That's verses 3 through 6. Verses 3 through 6. And then the King is coming. The King is coming. And that's verses 7 to 10. So the King creates, the King ascends, and the King is coming. So for our first point this morning, the King creates. Let's reread verses 1 and 2. It says, The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. So everything, everything belongs and answers to the Lord of hosts. Because He created it, He owns it all. The whole earth, every square inch, from the peaks of the mountains to the depths of the sea, is the Lord's. The earth is not Baal's and it does not belong to any other false deity. As the Lord showed the vanity of idol worship in Egypt during the Exodus, the Lord regularly shows the vanity, the silliness of idol worship that exists today. Whether that be the false deities of Hinduism or the computer in our pockets, All idol worship is vanity. It's useless. Why? Because the earth belongs to Yahweh, the Lord. Do you answer to the one who created all things? Or have you crafted some deity with your own imagination? And if you've crafted and made some version of the Lord apart from the Scriptures, then you're no better than one who makes a wooden idol from the tree in their backyard. We all answer to the Lord of all. And we know Him by His Word. When this psalm opens up by saying, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein, it means everything. Everything. From the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, it belongs to the Lord. It's the Lord's. The Lord spoke creation into existence. Creation is not some cosmic accident. These events are not random. It is planned. From our DNA to the earth's axis, the sovereign Lord created it. So the universe, the earth, the universe, all of creation revolve around one point. And that is not us. There is only one sovereign. And our sovereign does not need sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't get tired. And our sovereign doesn't have to debate diplomacy. The one who creates has authority. The creature is dependent on. Upon the Creator. 
He created the world in the beginning and he provided order and structure. And then in verse 2, we see it begins with a reason. For he has, God has created the foundation of the world on the seas. He has built his creation like a building. He has ordered it and fashioned it in its place. He knows the expanse. He laid the earth on the waters like a blanket. He has created everything. And everything exists for His glory. The good news is too that He didn't just create and then let things be. He created and continues to sustain His creation. There's not one tree that falls in the forest or one bird that falls from the, from the sky outside of God's providence. The earth is the Lord's. And He has made it for Himself, for His glory. So from the mountains to the prairies and the oceans, they exist for His glory. Psalm 19 verse 1 testifies that the sky above proclaims His handiwork. They testify of Him. And there's no debate. There's no debate. It testifies of Him. And the the finite man, the finite man cannot bring a charge against the infinite king. The finite man does not stand with the infinite king. The finite man cannot create out of nothing. It is laughable that there are those in our generation that think they can bring a charge against the sovereign king of the universe. There is none. There is none like the Lord. And the Lord deserves all of our praise and worship. In the song, Crown Him, the ambassador says, He's the Lord over your life, over your wife, over your moolah. The Lord of your acquisitions. He's the Lord of your things. He's the Lord of your chains. He's the Lord of your watches. Lord of your rings. He's deserving worship. His word is a perfect law and it brings grace to the world universal. He's Lord of the kings. This is the Lord of hosts. Crown him. Crown the king. He is Lord of all. The earth. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. Our second point this morning. Our second point this morning is that the king ascends. The king ascends. Let's read verses 3 through 6. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. So as verse 2 ends and verse 3 begins, there should be an understood call to holiness. Because the Lord is creator of all. We answer to Him. 
He does not answer to creation. Creation answers to the Creator. And because God is holy, we should be holy. And as we think through verse 3 this morning, if there is one verse, if there is one verse in this passage, I wish the Lord would, would press heavily on our hearts. It is verse 3. Again, it says, Who will ascend the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in the presence of the Holy One? The mountain, the mountain of the Lord is a, is a reference to Zion. It, it begins with the qualifications of, of who can go up. Who can, who can go up into God's presence? Who may do this? Who, who can? We have, we have all sinned against the Lord. And our sin has created a chasm between us and God. And we cannot stand before Him on our own account. Psalm 15 verses 1 and 2 It says, O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right. Verse 4 of of Psalm 24 goes on to say that he who has clean hands and a pure heart. So if we have sinned, if we have sinned against the king and there's a chasm, a, a transformation is required. We need righteousness. We need to be righteous. And so this is, this is written with anticipation. Who shall ascend the hill? Who shall ascend the hill? The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. The King who created all things stepped into time and space taking on flesh and being born of the Virgin Mary. The second person of our triune God lives sinless in our place. See, the first Adam sinned. We we sinned. But the second Adam, the, the true and better Adam, was sinless. And only the sinless, only the sinless one can ascend the hill. Only the sinless can stand in the presence of the Lord. So the psalmist again, who shall stand in His holy place? Jesus stands as our substitute before our holy God because His work is sufficient. And only God, only God can bear God's propitious wrath for His people. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 11 to 15. It says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, He entered once for all into the holy places, not by the means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood thus securing an eternal redemption for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh how much more 
How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purifying our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So Jesus, Jesus is the only hope. Jesus is our only hope. He's the only way for humanity to be reconciled to a holy God. Jesus took the whips as a servant. He ascended up Golgotha as a servant. Every step He took was a step in our place. Because we deserved to be on that cross. And yet, He was nailed to the cross as a servant. As a servant, He was reviled. They cried at Him, If you are a king, save yourself and us. But they did not realize the irony that by the work of this servant king, He saves. As a servant, the Lord Jesus died for those who would believe and bore God's wrath against sin upon the cross. And He declares from the cross, it is finished. And so, why did He do this as a servant? He died for the glory of God as the sinless one. And He was receiving. He was receiving what we deserve. We deserve death and to face the wrath of a holy God who hates sin. Yet, yet, in sovereign love and tenderness, God sent His Son to die as our substitute in our place that we can be reconciled to Him by faith. That's the best news you're going to hear all day. And that's the best news you'll ever hear on this side of heaven. So who can ascend the hill? The King of glory. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. And if one is to be righteous, if one is to be righteous, they're to trust in the Lord Jesus who ascended the hill. They're to come in faith. So the only way you can be the only way you can be made right with God is by trusting in the provision of his son, the Lord the Lord Jesus. It is he, it is he that changes you. The righteous one suffered for the unrighteous. The righteous one suffered for the unrighteous so that those who are unrighteous may be declared righteous. For you to enter into the place of the Holy One, you must have clean hands and a pure heart that loves the truth. Those who do not speak lies or deceit can enter into the place of the Holy One. But without Jesus, without Jesus, all of our hands are dirty and all of our hearts are filthy. 
John Calvin said that the human heart is a factory of idols. So what must you do? What must you do? Place your faith in the Lord Jesus. He stands in your place. And by the Spirit, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, your heart is transformed from a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. You hate sin and you desire to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. We don't strive for holiness and then we sin, we rest in Jesus. We rest in Jesus as we strive for holiness. We don't work with our hands on the plow and then think, oh, Jesus can cover the rest of my account. I went halfway and Jesus helped me out. We recognize that He is the one that keeps our hands on the plow. He is the one who is working in His people and keeps His people. We desire to have clean hands and a pure heart because of Him. Because of Him. Christ's imputed righteousness to our account changes us. We grow in sanctification. We desire to grow in holiness. We want to honor the Lord. Yet, How many people across this nation and beyond profess to be Christian and there's no inward change? There's no desire to have clean hands and a pure heart if we come to Christ in name only. If we desire just to have clean hands, that's not enough. One of the aspects of this passage is showing the outward acts result from inward change. Following the Lord in word and deed. J.C. Ryle said, the tongue is not the only member that Christ bids us to give to His service. God does not want His people to be mere, mere empty tubs, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. We must be sanctified. Not only in word and in tongue, but in deed and truth. We're not beating our chest. We're not beating our chest and saying, look at me. We're beating our chest and saying, woe is me. Woe is me, for I am am, unclean. I've sinned against the Holy One. And yet in love, in love, Christ was sent in our place. And He changes our hearts. Trying to clean up yourself with no changed heart is like a middle school boy trying to hide his sweat with Axe body spray. It's not going to work. They're still going to stink. Trust me, I, I I know this. But is this us could this be described of us we're trying to change the outside without having a heart transformation have we claimed to be a christian and yet we're not striving to walk in the newness of life if we come to the king he is gracious 
He is gracious. And a Christian's desire should be to follow King Jesus in everything. We should strive to live in holiness, not to live in the manner of, I can just abound in sin because grace abounds. We should be killing sin, as John Owen put it. We should be killing sin or it will be killing us. Continuing on in verse 4, one who is united to the king does not have false idols or swear by an idol or a false god. We speak the truth. We speak the truth. The latter part of verse 4 in the ESV is translated deceitfully, but it could be understood again as swearing by a false god. So we're not to give reverence to things that are false or swear by things that are false. We have the king. And those who trust in him, those who trust in the king are his, represent, are his representatives here. We are missionaries to West Monroe. So for us, if we desire to be winsome and faithful, if we desire others to come to Christ, then we don't have to give our opinions or a hot take on everything in the culture and the world around us. We honor the Lord by speaking the truth. So let's die on hills that are going to matter in eternity. Let's die on hills that are going to matter in eternity. Verses 5 and 6 say, He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of His salvation. Such is a generation of those who seek Him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Those who have come to Christ, again, are forgiven of their sin. And they are given the righteousness of God for salvation. There are no stepsons or stepdaughters in the kingdom of God. I thought about that a lot this week. That was heavy on my heart this week. There are no stepsons or stepdaughters in the kingdom of God. If we are in Christ, if we are in Christ, we are brothers and sisters. And the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord is we get Him. We get the Lord. We have communion with Him. We're able to enter into His presence because of Christ. And those who were outside of the camp can enter in. Those who were once far off by the blood of Christ are now brought near. Those who were once blind can now see. Those who were once dead are now alive in Him. This is what the gospel does. It transforms the dead person, the heart of stone. It makes them alive in Christ. And those who are in Christ, those who have been given this righteousness, we're to take this news to our neighbors and to the nations. God's people are to bless others with the good news. And this may be one aspect in which the church at large has failed. Have we grown in pride because God has saved us? Or have we grown in humility 
Because God has saved us. It is possible some of us have acted like people are too far gone for the grace of God. Yet, all we have to do is look in the mirror and recognize if God can save me, if God can save me, He can redeem anyone. And those in Christ, we share the good news. We share the good news, not because we pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps, but Christ did. Christ pulled us up. We know the disease. It's sin. And we know Christ is the cure. Jesus is the answer. And people reject. People reject the only sufficient answer in pursuit of insufficient answers to better suit their taste. Yet communion, communion with the King is the answer to lasting peace. We want Him. It's a blessing to know Him. So for true Israel, the the true believers, the true church, we're to follow His Word. In In a world that may be watching, the church is more concerned that God is watching. This is a mark of a generation of a people seeking His face, desiring to know Him and to be faithful to His Word. We want to know our triune God. We want to continually be sanctified and have clean hands and a pure heart. We want to seek Him and glorify Him in all that we do. And the people who do not desire to trust in Christ, who remain in their sin, who trust in lies and deceit, will be cursed by the Lord and not receive righteousness because they did not seek the face of the King. And so why does this psalmist, why does he use the phrase, the God of Jacob? He's continuing to point out the differences between those who are believing and those who are not. We can reference Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, which say, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how have you loved us? Is not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob and Esau I have hated. So beloved, do not delay. Do not delay. Let us give reverence to the true king. May our hands and may our lips align with our hearts, testifying that Jesus is Lord of all. And it is He, it is He that saves. Our last point this morning is the King is coming. The King is coming. Let's reread verses 7 to 10. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. As we look through 
verses 7 to 10, we can see in these verses that 7, verse 7 is repeated in verse 9, and then verses 8 and 10 are similar with the same beginning line. The phrase, King of glory, is mentioned five times in these last four verses. But there's not repetition in this passage just for the sake of repeating. He is the King. He is the King, and we are to know it. So verses 7 through 10 are pointing back to verses 1 and 2 in this passage. The King of glory is the Lord of creation. Only the King of the cosmos can create the cosmos. He owns it all. Creation gives an account to Him who put breath into the lungs of men and women, who makes sure blood flows through your veins, who knows the things that keep you up at night, who knows your secrets. This King of glory, this King of glory, and He's coming. He's coming. Look ahead to Him. Look up to Him. The gate in this city here is is guarded by gatekeepers to protect the city. But this isn't just any city. This is the everlasting city. The doors of the city are not made by human hands. They're described as ancient or in some translations, everlasting. So man cannot make these doors nor could sinful man open these doors. Only the one from everlasting Only the one who has no beginning must open them. And why are these gatekeepers or those who do business at the gate to be looking up? Again, the king is coming. The king is is coming. The king of glory is to enter. This is pointing forward to a future building. The gates of the city and its ancient doors are opened and lifted up because of the king. He is worthy. And there is no other name that deserves this praise. We look in the book of Revelation, verses 22 to 27, it says, And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. This psalm, this psalm continues to go on and describe that the Lord is strong and mighty. That He is strong and mighty in battle. 1 Samuel 17, verse 45, says, David said to the Philistine, which is Goliath, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, 
whom you have defied. Goliath didn't just come at David. He came at the Lord of hosts. He defied the everlasting God. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and, and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. So this king is strong and mighty, and he can't be cheated because he knows it all. And you cannot defy the living God. So you, can, you cannot defy the living God, nor can you cheat him. Everything, everyone, everywhere is going to give an account to him. All things answer to the one who created all things. As we continue to think about this psalm, particularly the phrase, the Lord who is strong and mighty in battle, it was quoted and sung when Israel would, re- would return from the victory that the Lord provided. The priests led the way and they, they carried the ark. But throughout the scriptures, is this not what God has done for His people? He has led His people in the Exodus. He stopped the sun. He brought down Jericho. He stopped the mouths of lions. And ultimately, King Jesus has triumphed over the grave. He's victorious for His people. It is He It is He that is worthy. So we don't boast in ourselves. We boast in the Lord. Who is this King of glory? Not us. Not us. It is Christ. It is He who is the King of glory. And by the work of Jesus, by what He did on Zion, He ascended the hill. We can dwell with our triune God forever. Forever. Not just for periods of time, but for an eternity. Because of Christ, we're not going to slide in the back door. We don't have to slide in the back door. He knows His people. And if you're following Jesus, your King knows you. He knows your pain. He knows your struggles. He knows it. And for an eternity, we will be with this King. We may not know how the next procedure with the doctor is going to go. We may not know how some of next month's bills are going to get paid. We may not know how the next conversation with, a, with your family is going to go. But the Lord does, and He's in control. In the heavens and on the earth, even among His enemies who resist His rule, the one who spoke things into existence, is not surprised by your troubles. Cast your burdens upon Him. Rest in the King who fights for His people. The God of heaven who sent His Son to ascend the hill. Beloved, we have a King who creates and doesn't just let things be. Our King ascended the hill. And our King, the Lord Jesus, is coming again soon. So let us take the good news of Jesus Christ to our neighbors and to the nations. We only get one life, and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray.
our King of Heaven. We rejoice that you created all things and sustained them. We are reminded in this psalm that our sin has separated us from you. And yet in love and tenderness, the Son was sent. He ascended Zion, this long-anticipated hill, for your glory and the salvation of his people. And by a shedding of blood, there is forgiveness of sins for those who come to Him in faith. We cannot stand before You, O King, on our own account. But we stand. We stand in confidence because of Christ. So may, may we rest in the finished work of Jesus. And may we live in holiness taking the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to sing uh, Psalm 21.